It's Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences, eating 90 loaves in 90 days. She's pitching loaf, pitching loaf. Tune in and carb up. 90 loaves in 90 days. We're pitching loaf, pitching loaf. You're listening to the Pitching a Loaf podcast. Welcome to Pitching a Loaf podcast. This is the seventh episode of our series. Today, we will talk about mold and how to prevent it. My name is Lynn Carson, founder and CEO of Bakerpedia. And I'm Dave Dahl, co-founder of Dave's Killer Bread. Hey Dave, have you eaten any moldy bread today? I try not to do that on a regular basis. (laughs) I avoid mold. So before we start today, Dave, I'd like to make sure that our listeners know that this podcast is sponsored by JNK Ingredients. They are the suppliers of BreadMate, a clean label and organic solution to prevent them all. To learn more about their product, visit jkingredients.com. Dave, what do you think caused bread to be moldy? Well, mold spores. That's what does it. And what often happens is... Uh, there's mold spores everywhere, so you have to take measures if you're making bread and, uh, you know, to, to keep it from getting moldy because it naturally wants to mold. And it depends on what's in the uh, formulation, uh, how quickly it will mold. Right. Do you think that the summer months provides more opportunity for moldy issues than the winter months? Not a chance. No, I'm just kidding. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Because that's, that's my experience, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes in the summer we have to add a little bit more um, cultured wheat or, you know, in certain traditional bakeries, um, uh, calcium propionate, you know, that, that's the favorite yeah, ingredient. Yeah, we try to avoid that, Right, too. yeah. Um, so in, in your journey, have you had anyone ever come up to you and tell you that bread is evil? Uh, they've, they've come up to me and told me that my bread was evil. Um, you know, I used to have bread. When I first started making the bread, I put it, um, you know, actually, I didn't do it, but the stores would put my bread way up high because it wasn't well known yet. So it would be way up high in the uh, bread aisle, and people would walk by, and they'd be looking at looking for a loaf of bread, and they'd pull one out here and there, but then one of my loaves of bread would fall on them and hit them in the head. <laughs> and first I thought, oh, that's not good. People aren't going to like it. But what it did is increase sales because when they saw it and they looked at the label, they would buy the loaf of bread that hit them in the head. So what I did <laughs> is, I, is I started putting bread so that it was right on the edge and so uh, just to get people to buy more of it because it would, it would hit them in the head and they were like, that is cool, you know. That is the but it's not evil bread. I was, <laughs> I might be evil, but not the bread. <laughs> That's a funny story. Oh, hey, Lynn. What do you think causes bread to be moldy? I feel that even though there are mold spores on, um, on bread and the bread equipment and in the air, I really think that um, a bakery has to be really clean. And I think your air filters need to be clean. And uh, most of all, the air above the cooling 
tower um, needs yeah, and you to need be, to have positive airflow. That that too, and your bread really need to be cool before you package it, yeah, right? Yeah. And and in the summer months, we s- that we see a problem there too because most bakeries can't cool their bread to below a hundred. You right. know, some of them pack them at 110, and that's when I go, ooh. It's really <laughs> hard to control the environment of a bakery. and In the summertime. Yeah, right? and especially if it's a small place where everything's kind of all contained in one area. So, so, yeah, so the number one thing I tell bakery owners to do is to clean your air filters, uh, make sure that your uh, conveyor lines are clean, uh, the cooling ta- towers, and also package Keep the doors it. closed. Yeah, and package it at a cooler temperature, if possible. Sometimes it's just not possible. There's a lot of challenges, yes. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, oh, yeah, I heard that you had some problems with uh, some people that were tripping on your consumption of bread and your, you know, mass consumption of bread. Yes, I had um, quite a couple of critics that reach out on my LinkedIn profile and um, condemn what I was doing as very... Uh, unhealthy and misleading. Uh, firstly, because grains were not meant for human consumption. That's nah, not true. <laughs> we all know that's not true. That's that, that's scientifically not sound. Um, and also, um, someone also com- commented on my consumption of nu- Nutella and how Nutella is high in high fructose corn syrup and mm. how it's going to kill me. Is that right? So, yes, I have. I've never had Nutella. Nutella. Well, you can see from my blog that I eat it almost every other day. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I do agree that my um, eating a whole loaf of bread a day is might not be that healthy because of the sodium. But I, I see it safe otherwise. So um, I don't encourage people to eat a whole loaf of bread every day. But what I wanted to show this journey is if you do, it's safe to do so. But if you really want to have a diet that's bread-centric, you should include at least five to six slices a day. And that, I believe, will actually help you lose some weight. But I've yet to believe it. really depends on the bread, too. Yes. Doesn't it? Of course, the whole grains and the multi-grains. Never mind about my critics. We are all bakers here. And joining us today is Marnie, owner of 20 Shackles Bakery in Clearwater, Florida. Hey, Marnie. Hey, guys. How are you? Nice to be here. Why the 20 shekels name, by the way? Yeah, you know, that was uh, the, the first bread that I started working with and kind of tinkering around with was an Ezekiel bread. And, um, you know, uh, Ezekiel bread is actually sort of a, a recipe that comes it comes out of the Bible, and there's no set recipe measurements or that type of thing. But um, the amount of bread that the prophet Ezekiel was supposed to eat of this bread on a daily basis was 20 shekels worth. And I thought at the time, man, that could be a really cool name. Um, so, you know, a shekel, which is an Israeli, you know, dollar, it's currency today, it used to be a stone weight. Um, and so it was just basically the amount that he was supposed to eat on a daily basis. And, um, oh. you know, when I sort of started applying it into different areas, people really responded well off of it. And, you know, like, look, from a marketing perspective, I get asked this question all the time. It's, like, <laughs> worth millions in, like, PR. I mean, it's <laughs> just fantastic. I love the name, by the way. <laughs> what, uh, how did you get started with the uh, sprouted flour? And I, uh, do you do that just entirely with sprouted flour, or, or how does that work? You know, we play around 
not with both. I mean, our bakery is predominantly sprouted, and it's just something that, you know, as a baker, I sort of fell in love with. I love sprouted flour. I love sort of the uh, complexity of flavors that you get from it, the, the changes in the difference from traditional white flours or whole grain flours where there's not quite as much bitterness because of the sprouting process. But, you know, there are absolutely some breads that, you know, it just, you know, when you sprout that grain, you know, you do have sort of, you know, a, a drop in the gluten levels. And so there are some breads that just, you know, a ciabatta is best done with a with a white flour, you know, it, for its characteristic, you know, development and structure. And you need that gluten to, to, to get that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 90% of the things that we do are going to be sprouted. I love the flavor that comes from that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I also love me some ciabatta. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, we're certainly not afraid to tinker around and play with that as well. So you have a very um, unusual business model where you batch bake for orders. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah, you know, we. I'm a big fan of, I think, you know, there's been a little bit of a shift in the, in the last several years where people today are really looking for much higher quality foods, you know, organic uh, sprouted whole grains, that type of thing from their breads, just from the nutritional value. And when they can really start getting those things, um, you know, where they're, you know, handcrafted or, or, you know, freshly baked each morning, you know, it's become really sort of appealing to people going from, you know, just a sort of pre-sliced white, you know, bleached bread variety. You know, I'm sure Dave ex- has experienced that with, you know, his organic breads that he's doing, which were, you know, really revolutionary and really kind of opened up the door for what we're doing here. And, you you know, people have really wanted that. We see a growing uh, demand for that. So about the only thing that we could do to improve upon that would be to get somebody their bread Mm -hmm. as freshly baked as possible, you know, because, I mean, look, we're all bakers. We know how great fresh bread is, you know what I mean? So if we can actually bake to order and then flip it out to our customers, then we think it's a win-win all day long. That sounds good. Uh, Marnie, do you have any mold issues since we're talking about mold today? Yeah, you know, we don't have, I'll tell you, mold is sort of a very uh, funky thing. You know, we've been able to sort of get around our, you know, issues with mold because of sort of natural ingredients, you know, mm-hmm. uh, organic raisins and things like that in the bread. But it's made us, it's, it's limited us. You know, the right. problem that it's given to us is that it limits us in what sort of breads we can do, particularly here in Florida where it's, you know, basically summer, like in the subtropics, 10 months around. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's like we can do, you know, we have the set, you know, six sprouted breads that we do, and we can control the environment for that with really sort of natural and organic things. But where it makes it a problem for us is expanding out to some of the more savory items that maybe don't have, you know, addition of honey or that type of thing that acts as a sort of natural preservative. Um, so for us, it's limiting, you know, yes. particularly as the artistic side of the baker, you know, what can we do, especially in the, in the really, really hot months. So, but it you know, seems I, like I know that, you know, you were talking about, you know, cultured wheat and I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Now it seems like you're, uh, you're basically selling your bread extremely fresh, right? Is that what's going on? Yeah. We have to go, you know, we also have to go extremely fresh because of the fact that, you know, it is so hot here, and we and and you know if we had a, a, a where we could just you know we'd either have to go refrigeration right away um, or you know and have much bigger facilities which we don't have so we got to kind of turn it out pretty quickly yeah, you yeah. know 
because of the mold issue. Well, I think a solution for you with your savory breads would be to lower down the pH. So even if increasing fermentation a little bit more, maybe just doing a sponge. And also yeah. adding vinegar with cultured wheat is going to really help um, extend your shelf life during the summer. Um, so we are going to talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, so um, do you have any other questions for us, Marnie? Yeah, you know, I was just curious. I know you're doing this 90-day challenge, Lynn. And so have you actually gained any weight yet? No, I have not gained significant amount of weight. <laughs> Yeah. She was already she was already four hundred pounds. I mean come we, on. All, we all know that the bread makes you fat things kinda hooey, right? Exactly. That's what I'm trying to prove. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well what's the best bread you've eaten last week? Well, Marnie, it's yours. Um you sent awesome. me plus. No, it is it is that. truly it is truly yours because it was very hearty. The three breads that you Good. sent me, the Ezekiel, the muesli, and the very luxurious chocolate blackberry. That's my favorite one. Yeah, it's so heavy yeah, and sweet. <laughs> so, yes, yours is the absolute best bread I've eaten last week. Uh, among all the other breads like the Alvarado Street Bakery Sprouted Malted Grain, Dave Killer Bread 21, Thins, Franz 24 Grains, and Great Seeds. So, I ate a lot of bread last week, but yours definitely st- stood out. Thank you. That's awesome. I'm in terrific company. Thank yeah, you. That's Thank an you, Excellent Marnie. slam on my bread. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate <laughs> it. Great chatting with you. <laughs> thank you for stopping in and chatting with us, Marnie. Before we continue, I'd like to thank J and K Ingredients for sponsoring this podcast. Do you have a mold problem? Their technical experts on hand would be able to craft an all-natural and clean solution to help you extend your shelf life. Visit jkingredients.com today for a solution. Hi, Jim. Hey, Lynn. You have Thanks the indi- for having me. Yeah, you have the industry's leading clean label mold inhibitor, Breadmate. And as far as I can tell, every baker is using it. Can you share your story with us on how Breadmate was developed? Well, I can certainly tell you how and why. I know that, you know, at the time we had a scientist who was producing or developing all the formulas for all our sours and he took that kind of technology and moved it on to to um, mold inhibition but uh, bread mate was quite different back then than it is today and as we are all aware clean label has become a priority for consumers and bakers alike and in recent times more so than ever and I must admit at that time we were way ahead of ourselves when mm-hmm. we introduced bread mate to, to the industry and that was more than four decades ago at the time, bread had a much shorter shelf life than it does today, mm-hmm. and a good majority of bread that was being consumed did not contain any mold inhibitor of any kind. And it was our goal to get another day or two out of the product back then. Well, hey, today, Jim. that has been extended by weeks, right. and in most cases. Throughout the years, as the industry has changed to meet consumer demands, so is the bread meat. We always have and continue to work to improve the product and its processing. Right. Hey, Jim, can you tell us what the secret ingredient is in bread meat? Well, I'm not sure that you could call it a secret, but the ingredient that does the majority of the work is naturally fermented propionic acid. And what is that? I mean, to someone who doesn't have a chemistry background, what is, why, why is propionic, propionic acid n- natural? I mean, why is it a natural ingredient? 
Well, we use Propiani bacterium to develop a culture okay. that we inoculate wheat flour with, and that produces a natural version of propionic acid. As uh, most of us are aware, a lot of bread out there today has a synthetic version of okay. propionic acid in it, which is produced actually um, through, through a very synthetic and chemical process, while ours is done through complete natural fermentation. Right. And um, is, is that why um, it's so simple and clean looking on the label? Um, basically, bakers just need to declare cultured wheat on there? Is that right? Yeah, bread made like all ingredients in any food product does need to be labeled, and it can be labeled as cultured wheat flour or fermented wheat flour. Oh, interesting. Um, why, why do you think a baker should buy any kind of mole, inhibi mole inhibitor solutions from you, Jim? Can tell us about your team and you know how how you run um, your customer service and and why your products are superior in, in quality. Uh, why do it, does a baker need to reach out to you? Well, quite simply, we have the best, most cost-effective product on the market. And equally as important, our company has a 117-year history of producing top-quality baking ingredients for the worldwide industry. And we have a long, successful track record of producing products like BreadMate. And most importantly, we can be trusted. The baker can be assured that they're getting exactly what the product is supposed to be and that's a naturally fermented clean label mold inhibitor. Um, we've had uh, quite a bit of growth through the years, and uh, most of that is because we provide excellent service, but most importantly, we provide top quality products with consistency. You heard it from Jim Sausville, president of J&K Ingredients, who are the sponsor of our podcast today. J&K Ingredients is committed to providing the baking industry with superior, innovative, and natural products. Their team can be contacted today at sales at jkingredients.net. And that's it. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in for this podcast. Till next time, I hope you're loafing it. You've been listening to Bakerpedia's Pitching a Loaf podcast, hosted by Dr. Lynn Carson. Our show is co-hosted by Dave Doll and David Dublau. The Pitching a Loaf jingle is done by Creative Mills. Our associate producer is Anna Rink. Show notes by Joanna Evanouk. Our podcast cover art is designed by Kurt Rawsus. The Pitch in a Loaf podcast is produced at Bigfoot Podcast Network in the heart of beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon.